Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be doing a little Sagittarius season Q&A session. I uh, hope that you're doing well out there. Today on this fr Friday afternoon, it's a little rainy here in uh, southeastern Michigan, but uh, let me know how things are going uh, where you're at, and let me know where you're stopping in from, and if you have any questions today. I'm just kind of uh, doing a free-form session. If you have questions about your chart, about astrology in general, if you want to learn something about the planets, if you have some questions about sports or gardening or, or whatever, we're just going to hang out for a little bit and have a good time. Uh, Tracy is here tuning in from West Sussex in the UK. Nice to see you, Tracy. Um, hope you and the hedgehogs are doing well over there. <laughs> uh, Dawn is stopping in from Mobile, Alabama. Hello, Dawn. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, welcome. Tatiana Spiritual Toolbox. Hello, Tatiana. How you doing? Um, long time no see. Nice to see you. Cold and rainy in Victoria. Yes, I, um, I joined Tatiana and um, uh, my other friend Dulcie uh, at, with their Astrology Victoria group uh, a few years back now. Oh my goodness, time is flying. But I did my, um, I believe I did my fixed star talk with that organization. You can find that on my YouTube channel. Tatiana is a great astrologer as well as my friend Dulcie, so check them out over there. Really great group, really nice, nice folks. Uh, Laura Elizabeth is here. Hello from Vancouver, USA. Nice to see you, Laura Elizabeth. Hope you're doing well today. Tarya is here from Finland. Hello, Tarya. Uh, everybody is stopping in from the uh, northern Europe here. I love it. Nice to see you representing. Tatiana says, doing great. Nice to see you. All right, Tatiana. Got my got my Virgos in the in the chat today. Uh, I believe Tatiana, you have some Sag influence in your chart too, right? If I'm not mistaken, some Virgo Sagittarius things. <laughs> my brain's a little fuzzy, but uh, we'll talk some Sagittarius stuff today. Tracy says we are well uh, <laughs> with the little hedgehogs there. It's very cold here. Yeah, it was cold here this week, earlier in the week, but it is starting to warm up a little bit and uh it's rainy so today's just kind of a dreary rainy early december day here in michigan of the united states but you know we need the the hoses to unfreeze for a little bit so that i can put them in the basement <laughs> oh boy oh yes tatiana says it was awesome uh this is uh with, with the talk yes that talk was fun that talk was a lot of fun um really enjoyed joining you folks out there so friends, a couple things before we just kind of dive in today. Uh, if you have a question about astrology, about your chart, about whatever's going on in your life, if you want to share stories, if you want to talk about things and get some, some maybe an outside perspective on something, put question in all caps uh, in front of it in the chat box, and that'll help me see that it's a question. I always love hearing your observations as well, but if there's something that you want me to address specifically, that can help me see it. A couple other announcements before we dive into that as well. Uh, I am having a Sagittarius season sale. We did have a big holiday sale that has now since passed, but if you missed out on that and you still want to get the Decans of Sagittarius webinar, uh, it's 20% off right now. So you can check that out at the store at spencermichaud.com. I'm also available for readings for the holiday season if you need to work through maybe some of the stressors of meeting up with family and friends. Like a, I know it can be a wonderful time. It could also be kind of a challenging time around this time of year as well. Um, if you'd do me a huge favor and hit the like button on this 
video here today. That would go a long way to getting the the algorithm pleased with us today. And if you're new, please subscribe. This is a uh, something we do every week for the most part. We do new moons and full moons. We do monthly astrology. We do question and answer things. And, and every once in a while, we do some other topical things where um, we do special topics and things like that as well. So uh, please, uh, if you are new here, it will, it will be lovely for you to join us every week. You can also sign up for my newsletter, Spencer Michelle Astrology, uh, in the description of this video. And then when you can know when we're going live every week. And please check out my partner, Tanya Andrews, and her magical business, Third Coast Mojo. Um, she works really hard doing um, those magical offerings. She's got some new soaps. Uh, there is a Venus and Libra soap. If you're trying to capture a little bit of that Venus and Libra energy before it moves into Scorpio on Monday, you know, you could you know, bathe yourself with it even when it's uh, lost a little dignity. Um, but yeah, she does great work and is worth supporting. So appreciate all of you. If you want to make a gift to the channel today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat box. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. And it really goes a long way to helping me to keep the lights on and to uh, to help me free up time to be able to do research and do all of those things. So I appreciate all of those generous donations here as well. Carol from Mass is here, says grateful member Cap Rising Club. Yes, my Capricorn Risings are here today. I love it. We, I think... 75 to 80% of my audience is cap risings, <laughs> but I love it. There's a the nice balancing energy when you have a lot of cancer energy in your chart. And sometimes having the, you know, uh, having some of your planets placed in someone's seventh house can be a really nice, a nice balancing energy um, for both parties. So my partner's a, a Capricorn rising and um, she helps me to get practical when I'm getting a little emotional and sometimes I help her with her feelings and and so on and so forth. These are always beautiful dichotomies in a chart that are can, can be complementary as well. Okay, so I think those are our announcements here. Happy Mercury and Capricorn season. Um, earlier today, Mercury moved out of its exile in Sagittarius and into Capricorn. So we may be feeling a little bit more uh, grounded, a little bit more earthy. Maybe our minds are a little bit slower, potentially, which is not always a bad thing. Sometimes we need to be able to just dig into something and then get our get our hands dirty with uh, with our ideas rather than just kind of moving quickly on them. Um, we are going to be seeing Mercury stationing retrograde this month and going back into the last degrees of Sagittarius. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, as we are speaking, Mercury is making a sextile to its host Saturn. So this is a nice day to think of things in a sober, clear fashion, um, to really have some practical thinking around things. This can really be a boon and a boost for your Gemini and Virgo houses and topics as well. So those are some things that are going on. So yeah, feel free to put questions in the chat today if you are uh wanting to see what's going on for you in your life. I'm just going to pull the chart up so we can just see what's going on here. How are your sports teams doing? I am a Green Bay Packers fan, and the, the young kids in Green Bay are starting to come together. My guy Jordan Love is starting to play a little bit better, and uh, I think I'm officially off the, uh, off the tank, as they like to call it. Sometimes in sports, when your team's not doing good and you want a better future, you almost root for them to lose so that they get a better 
draft pick and better players in the future, but that dream has died for the Packers and they may actually make the playoffs this year. We'll see. So that is something that uh, I've been looking, looking at as far as um, my sports teams are going. Uh, let's see, checking in with the chat here. Tracy says, I'm a Cancer Sun and a Libra Rising, and I think I need some, to get some of Tanya's soap. Yes, yes, Tracy, that would be, uh, it's it's good stuff. Me and her, well, she mostly made it, but I, I helped. I kind of got in the way making it, <laughs> like, so like I wanted to help, uh, and I helped with the, uh, the glitter and the herbs and things of that nature. It was a, it was a little bit of a team effort, mostly Tanya, uh, but there is some of some of both of us <laughs> within it. It's really good stuff. I've been using it in the shower myself, and there is Mercury soap. There's Venus soap. I believe there's going to be a Jupiter and Sagittarius one coming out pretty soon too. So keep your eyes peeled for that, Tracy. Uh, Stella rendition is here. It says hi, Spencer. Rough couple of weeks, but made it through. Yeah, I hear you, Stella. I've been been um, dealing with venus on the south node myself uh, mostly with my vehicle my vehicle is pre-smashed up and about to be towed away pretty soon so it's a, a, a car i've had for about 15 years and it was, a, it was a gift from my mother who has since passed a lot of emotions uh, and feelings about changes in our circumstances especially when it relates to mobility and freedom so i've been talking on the channel about potentially having to lose something important to us that we loved to be able to bring about balance and restore harmony to a situation. So tell me some stories. If there was anything that, that, that you all had to maybe let go of while Venus was hanging out with the South node in this last week or two, um, that's definitely been part of the story for me, for sure. Um, the good news, I guess, on that is that the vehicle itself, um, just to give an example of this, it kind of been sitting in the, in the, driveway for a long time. Um, I work from home and I don't really go that many places anymore. So uh, it was kind of just taking up space and having to pay for the insurance and stuff. So maybe we're freeing up those resources to be directed in a different direction. So, you know, th things always balance themselves out on some way or another. Julene is here. Hi, Spencer. Holy moly. You could say that again. Feeling much more at ease mentally today as Mercury, as a Mercury real person. Oh, good, Julene. Yeah, Julene. I believe you're Gemini rising, Gemini rising or Gemini sun, Julian. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. But yes, everybody uh, that has Gemini and Virgo placements is probably breathing a sigh of relief today. I know that I have a Virgo stellium and, and I have Venus in Gemini, so Mercury is probably um, you know stabilizing things a little bit there today as well. So I'm I'm with you, Julian, and go Cardinals, right? Uh, Tatiana says, what is your perspective on a natal, on a Neptune to natal sun opposition? What's my perspective on a Neptune to natal sun opposition? Okay, so Tatiana, would you be comfortable if I were to share your chart? I think I have it, um, if I'm remembering this correctly. If not, that's okay. I know we've got a little bit of a delay. It's about a 20 or 30 second delay, and I can speak to it a little bit more ambiguously if you want, but if you want me to put your chart up there, I can as well, and then I can speak specifically to that. Um, I would say that just in general terms, a, uh, a Neptune-Sun opposition um, can be a little bit confusing. I think that sometimes that it might be dissolving. I, I really think of Neptune as a solvent on some level. 
Uh, I, I have talked about on this channel in the past about the way that Robert Schmidt describes Neptune that I find a lot of uh, recognition within, where he talks about it as a transcendental moon that is sort of about returning to the, uh, the hermetic one thing or universal substance, whereas like, uh, okay, so Tatiana says I can bring her chart up. I always want to ask permission if you know someone and because not everyone is comfortable sharing their charts and, and things of that nature. So you want to make sure that you are um, you're asking that permission because it's always good good practice, especially when you're doing things in public here. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see if I can find this here. Um Tatiana. There she is. Tatiana Hassan. Here we go. Okay, so what Tatiana is asking about is this this uh, Neptune opposition here with her Virgo sun. Um, there were some themes in Tatiana's chart where she has the sun conjoined uh, the north node in the third decan of Virgo. And there's a lot of themes in that decan about passing on a legacy and wanting to, uh, you know, have something that will live beyond you. So when we have this dissolving influence like Neptune, two things can happen. Um, oftentimes our how will be challenged. Okay. So we, if we have the how challenged, a lot of times Virgo is very, gets very fixated on the method and how to organize a project or something of that nature. Pisces, on the other hand, is, uh, in my experience, much more concerned with the why, okay? Like the, the essence that is animating that process. And with, not only with Neptune opposing these planets, but with Saturn opposing these planets, oftentimes there's some blockages to the way that we have done things in the past, and we have to get clear about our why before we can understand which method would be most effective moving forward. So one of the things that Neptune, especially opposing a third decan Virgo sun could be, is there, there could be a little bit of a dissolving of a sense of, um, of our purpose and reality about what legacy we wanna pass on. There could be a little bit confusion around it potentially, which could be a little bit disorientating. I think disorientation is something that could happen. Uh, and especially because the sun is associated with a sense of vitality and identity, there could also be some kind of draining influence as far as your own personal vitality. Uh, in your case, Tatiana, since I'm, yeah, I'm, I was remembering this chart correctly, your Sag rising, I was thinking the Sag and the Virgo placements here, with that Virgo stellium. Um, with the sun opposite Neptune in those houses, maybe there's a home situation or a family situation or a living situation that is draining vitality from your career or from your identity as a professional or something of that nature. And that could be changing the type of legacy that you wanna pass on or the type of method that you're using to be able to, to move forward with that, that goal or that identification factor. So I hope that's helpful for you, uh, Tatiana. Um, I've, I've been having Neptune opposing my Saturn and Mars, so I get it. It is a little bit of a, I feel like I'm wading out into the deep ocean right now. I, um, 
I think sometimes it feels like we are trying to find an island or an oasis, solid ground to put our feet on. And right now that doesn't, that doesn't feel like it, it totally exists. And it feels like we're just kind of treading, maybe treading water on some level. At least that's been my experience. So maybe you can share your experience and see if that's been something that's been coming up for you. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the way to deal with this is to, uh, oftentimes getting an outside perspective can be really helpful. Uh, uh, Neptune can be, I mean, they talk about Neptune as illusion and things of that nature. But if you think about those planets and think about the things that were discovered around those planets discovery when we are searching for meaning we have things like anesthesia we have things like uh, substances that will alter our states of consciousness so maybe there's something like that going on in your life as well where there's just a lot of altered states of consciousness that could be um, a little bit disorientating as well because virgo tends to be attracted to the reality of a situation rather than the maybe the intricacies that that permeate in between it that doesn't mean a virgo person can't be spiritual it just means that sometimes they they can have more of a focus on the practical day-to-day there's a spirit or a deity uh, that i associate with virgo i believe it's the name is astrea and she came she was a goddess that came to earth to teach people the physical rules of incarnation she got a little bit disappointed with humanity and, and, and wanted to leave again and go back to the stars. So that, that's one of the things that Virgo folks can do really well is t- teaching people some of the, some of the limitations that, that we have to work through to be able to manifest on this physical plane, which is a little bit slower than the spiritual one sometimes. Okay, good question, Tatiana. All right, so I'm just going back in time here. I'm going to go back here because as I was... Uh, talking about Tatiana's chart. We have some more comments and questions. Stella says, my sports teams are doing the worst and I'm hoping for some good, some good picked uh, picks picks next year. Okay, Stella, what, tell me, you have to tell me what team you're a fan of because, uh, you know, I've been a fan of some bad teams in the past and looking forward to the draft was actually somewhat exciting. The worst position you can be as a sports franchise is mediocre because you're just kind of on the treadmill. You either want to be really good or really bad because then you have the, the expectation of getting a transcendent player that could change your franchise's fortunes. So I'll be curious to which, uh, which team you're rooting for. Julene says, that's all we can do as Cardinal fans at this point. Yeah, Julene is in that boat too. Julene's Cardinals are doing, they're, they're, not, they're not so good this year because um, they had a lot of injuries. They had a young team. They were clearing payroll but they might be getting a really high draft pick. And as it stands right now, if they're going to keep their quarterback, who's very expensive and pretty talented actually, but has had middling results. Uh, I'm telling you, Julene, go do your research on this guy. His name's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a wide receiver for Ohio State, and he is a transcendent wide receiver. He's probably the next great wide receiver in the NFL. And you pair him up with Kyler and all those other dudes up there and it's going to be pretty exciting. A lot of people are comparing him to Larry Fitzgerald. So if you know, you remember how good Larry was for the Cardinals. So maybe that'll give you a little bit of hope, Julian. Tracy Gorman is here. Says, hello, lovelies. This Leo sun, Libra rising, Gemini moon is happy to catch your live. Oh, I'm happy you're here, Tracy. Thank you for stopping by today. I love the little kitty emoji. Uh, Devin is here. What's up, Devin? Go Bucks, Spencer. Yes. Tough loss to Chicago. Yes. 
but overall the record looks good yeah yeah um in addition to being a fan of the green bay packers i love the milwaukee bucks too and they've been having an interesting beginning of the season uh they made a big trade for uh superstar damian lillard and they've been trying to figure it out trying to figure out how to coexist with Giannis and damian lillard um it's still a work in progress is what i will say but they still have a pretty good record and if they do figure it out, they are going to be a problem for, for the rest of the league. So uh, I hope for my sake and for Devin's sake that, that Lillard has some success with Milwaukee because if he can't be with the Blazers, we want him to have some success with the Bucks, right? Yes. Julene says, Gemini rising. Yes, Sun, North Node, Mercury, and Jupiter. So a bit of Gemini here, right, Julene? You got the Gemini going. So you're probably feeling a little bit of relief with mercury's uh condition improving um but but the only challenge with that is mercury has moved into your eighth house now so maybe a focus on resources of a partner um potentially focus on uh if there was anything that happened like a like a death in the family or anything there could be like uh something going on with like an inheritance questions or could be tax stuff going on all those things are eighth house topics uh working through debt, stuff like that. So, um, and keep in mind, friends, the topics that come up now with with Mercury moving into Capricorn, they're going to be up for review. All right, so they're going to be up for review in, in the next couple of weeks. Capricorn Mercury, the first decade of Capricorn, tends to weigh the advantages and disadvantages of a physical place or goal that you want to achieve. So the, the, what I will suggest for mercury moving into capricorn now is you might not just have all the information I, I would say it's good to weigh your pros and cons but keep in mind that there might be some more pieces of the puzzle that need to be revealed and we have to practice our patience this is mercury in a saturn sign now um, because it is in a pretty harmonious relationship with its host saturn saturn's in a decan that is asking us to to figure out our why and to figure out which narratives in our lives are helpful and which ones are holding us back. Um, you know, I've, I've experienced this with my car. Like I, the, the, I've been attached to the past with the car. I, I've been having difficulty getting rid of it. I've sort of been skirting the salvage people <laughs> lately. I need to just let it go. I've been kind of bargaining with fate. I've been kind of looking at it and say, oh, maybe I could fix it. And I can't even get the, I can't even get the trunk open or the hood open to look at it inside and when you start breaking down damage you can find a lot more damage in the inside after an accident so the the smart thing for me to do would just be to finally let it go but there's so much emotions wrapped up into it um but now saturn is saying well some of those dreams have to end some of those narratives are are holding you back to to freeing up energy for something else so really important time for us to get clear on our on our dreams and our why Okay, going back here, going back here, going back. These are great comments, friends. Devin says, Sag is my third house, and I'm using this time to clean up my relationships to app payments. Oh, okay. Austin's put our used, Boston put our used apps and websites as part of our local community. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, I like that. Um, so you have Sag in the third. And you are going to be, and it's going to be retrograding back there as well. Okay. Um, 
That's interesting. I like that with like apps. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, and one of the things that I have been doing in the last few days with the last days of Venus and the South Node in the third house, Devin, is I've been purging my email. So I deleted almost 2,000 inbox emails in the past two days. And that's not even the tip of the iceberg. I think I have like 16,000 emails that I haven't deleted. I just kind of hang on to stuff. Um, but yeah, that's it's a great time to kind of review uh, our commitments when it comes to like apps. And uh, yeah, a lot of times in these modern times where we have we're getting a drain on our resources that we don't even remember signing up for, you know, or we're not even using. So that's a great way to use that too. I like that. I like what Austin talks about with that. Dawn Fisher says, Sag sun and rising with a Gemini moon, feeling less anxious. Oh, good. Good, Dawn. I am glad to hear that. Um, I think a lot of us with these mercurial type placements are feeling that a little bit. I'm going to switch this to the clock so we can see the chart in real time. Um, just feeling a little bit of relief with Mercury moving into Capricorn, like we're able to think a little bit clearer potentially. Um, we're not not dealing with Mercury maybe moving too quickly or having difficulty seeing multiple perspectives. It really just slows us down and helps us to think uh, with with sort of our more practical brain rather than our idealistic brain, which I think can be a really nice balancing energy. Um, that we could put to good use during this season. Uh, Candy Corn is here. That's a cool name. Uh, Venus South Node was on top of natal Libra stellium and feeling a lot better this week. Yeah. Yeah, that Venus South Node um, is tough. Like, it, it definitely has felt like it has removed some things that we were really attached to. You know, some things that brought us a lot of joy in the past. It could have been, in my case, it was a vehicle. It could also be a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be uh, an item that we are attached to. Um, and, and it wasn't necessarily something that was all bad either. Sometimes when we let go of things, we're like, oh, yeah, we knew that was that was time to go. But other times it can be like, well, some parts of that were really good. And when we have to release that, that can be, it can be challenging. Um, I do think... On the, on the plus side, Venus is making any necessary partings fairly harmonious. So, so that's something to keep in mind as we move forward, too. Tatiana's, oh, yes, Tatiana was talking about her chart. Hopefully I helped with that, Tatiana. Maybe I'll see your reaction down here. Um, I'm going back in the chart here, in the chat, just making sure I'm getting everything. Tracy says... Tracy Chaplin says, recently an important teacher passed away. She was my spiritual teacher in kinesiology and other energy healing, but also have done a lot of letting go, especially in groups in the 11th with Venus. Okay, yes. Yeah, like like letting go of a, a teacher. Um, hopefully the her, her passing was, um, was peaceful and it, it, very painful, right? It can be very painful, but sometimes... Um, you know, it will help rebalance our life. Um, and sometimes there's just loss and we just have to kind of go through the grieving process. And there's not always like a higher meaning and spiritual purpose to the loss. <laughs> I think that um, I like the perspective that omens are not always, uh, that everything in our life isn't an omen, that we feel the the recognition of something when it when when we feel a connection to something in our life and then we get a message 
but not everything that happens is necessarily like that. But, but yes, um, I'm sorry to hear that your spiritual teacher passed away and hopefully um, you're able to, to grieve that loss and then free that energy up and maybe, uh, maybe there will be someone else that will come into your life. That's another thing I've been finding is that when I'm able to let go of something, nature abhors a vacuum and, and something will come to fill that space. Uh, and it's not always the same. And we don't always replace something one-to-one, um, but, we, but, but we can keep going and life does go on. Tracy Gorman says, Virgo stellium in the 12th and zero degree Gemini moon in the ninth natally. Yeah, so you're probably feeling this shift with Mercury as well, Tracy, with um, that Virgo stellium and the Gemini moon. Um, hopefully that's helping you maybe get some, get some rest now, right? With that Virgo stellium in the 12th and not feel like everything's moving so quickly, potentially. Julie Palmer is here some fr- from northeastern Wisconsin. Ooh, I hope you're a Packers fan, Julie. So go Pack Go. The kids are doing good, Julie. Sag Sun and Rising in the first. Okay. Uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing about Sagittarius. So I'm looking at um, Julie does have a question down here. I'm going to go back. I won't skip all this other stuff. Candy Corn says, I love your stuff and new to the channel. Well, thank you, Candy Corn. It's wonderful to have you here, my friend. Um, it's an honor to be serving you here today on the channel live. Uh, so let's see. Devin says, oh, yeah, the Virgo community can't wait for Neptune to get out of Pisces. Yes, amen to that. And Saturn on some level. Uh, although Saturn into Aries could be fraught with its own challenges, especially for a Cancer son such as myself, having Saturn in an overcoming square to your son and Mercury isn't awesome either. But, you know. We'll deal with that when it comes. Right? We still got the the whole thirty degrees, pretty much for Saturn to go through in Pisces. Um, some younger Virgos don't even really remember what it was like not to have the fog of Neptune opposing their Sun, Moon, and Rising. Amen to that, Devin. It was definitely a different different vibe, for sure. Um. So Julie says, what does December look like for Sagittarius? Well, Julie, um, let's see. One of the things I can say, Julie, is that uh, to get a, a much more in-depth uh, look at your rising sign or Sagittarius in general, I, I did uh, the new moon or the full moon, I can't remember which one. I think it was the new moon through the houses recently. Go check that video out. Uh, I would think it was the last video that I did where I took everything through the houses and there was a a bunch of information specifically on that, but just a couple things for Sag rising and and Sag sun in in general. So, you know, we just have been talking about Mercury moving out of Sagittarius and into Capricorn. So for Sag rising, Sag sun, you probably have a lot more focus now on your your re, your physical resources with Mercury moving into the second house. The challenge with that is that Mercury is going to station retrograde in your second house. So if you're a Sag rising or a Sag, Sag sun, I wouldn't go out and like spend a ton of money in the first few weeks of December because you might have to you might have to review uh, your purchases or or how you make your money or something of that nature. Good news for you. In December, Sag people, is that Jupiter, the ruler of Sagittarius, 
is going to be stationing direct at the very end of the month. So around December 30th, Jupiter stations direct in your sixth house. So if you're having like a, a work issue or a health issue, things could start moving forward again with that. Um, and just just hang in there with like the, the home challenges. All right, with Saturn in your fourth house, a lot of responsibilities for Sagittarians right now. Uh, and that can be a little bit disorientating with Neptune there as well. And then, you know, the other thing we're, we're looking at is Venus is, in a couple days after this weekend, Venus is going to be moving into Scorpio. So moving into the 12th house out of the 11th. So sometimes when we have Venus in the 12th, I, I tend to think that it, it, it tends to make us more attracted to retreating, to resting a little bit, to taking it easy. Um, the the challenge with this is that it is the ruler of your 11th house and the 6th house. So Venus is not in as good of a condition in Scorpio as it was in Libra. Now there is a caveat to that because some of the Eastern and Jyotisha astrologers would say that sometimes the nodes corrupt a planet that is near it. So maybe being away from the node could be an improvement on some level. But in this case, Venus being in the 12th house, Project Hindsight, Robert Schmidt, talks a lot about planets having difficulty doing good in a quote-unquote bad house or in a, in a dark house that doesn't witness the ascendant. So there could be some challenges with groups. There could be a little bit of challenges with work potentially. But I think that the, the positive thing about this is just get really clear for everyone. This is advice for everyone too, not just Sagittarius. With Venus and Scorpio, it's in its exile. It's in the house of Mars. And oftentimes Venus is a planet that we want to let things come to us. And when Venus is in a martial sign, like Sagittarius, excuse me, not Sagittarius, with, with Venus in Scorpio or Aries, the two Mars signs, um, sometimes we can pursue things that we'd be better off letting come to us. So try not to get uh, too aggressive about trying to get what you want. Um, Venus can glamorize things from the past in Scorpio that really may not be the best for us, that, that are like either toxic or, or that are, um, that have outlived their vitality or efficacy. So it, it's, it's important to appreciate what we've had in the past, but also to re recognize that when a planet's moving through Scorpio, it's energy of, it's of, of composting, of separating from something so that we can liberate that spirit and energy for something new when, when the planet will move into Sagittarius. So I hope that helps Julie for you. Tatiana says, uh, da, 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 that was super helpful, Spencer. Okay, good. Um, especially because I got burnout and was asked by spirit to stop everything and recover and find resources within. I do feel like dissolving for sure, and it is challenging. Yeah, Tatiana. I mean, maybe that's also the benefit of Neptune on some level, my friend, is that maybe we're driving a little bit too hard, and Neptune can help us return to uh, this sense of oneness or, or peace. Um, and that can be a relief sometimes too, even if in the moment it feels a little bit disorientating and, and scary. And uh, I, I have found when with the Neptune stuff opposing my Virgo, placements, I just sometimes I'll feel really tired or really burnt out. So that, that tracks for sure. Janet Goodspeed is here. What's up, Janet? Nice to see you, my friend. Hope you're doing well. 
Welcome to the chat. Uh, Devin says, Neptune was in Aquarius when it was discovered as well, conjunct Saturn. It feels like Saturn, who helps decide what comes into our realities, was like, uh, who helps decide what comes into our realities, was like, welcome to the consciousness, Neptune. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really interesting way of looking at those outer planets, is really just looking at that time in history and even looking at the discovery chart itself. So that's a good catch there too, with like the connection with Neptune and Saturn, Devin. Uh, Don says, didn't Marvin's dad play and was really awesome. So Don is talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, Marvin Harrison Sr. was an incredible wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts uh, a few years ago. I mean, he was Peyton Manning's number one target over there, along with Reggie Wayne. Uh, in Indy. And you know what's funny, Don? Marvin Harrison Sr. is about six foot, six one, maybe about 200 pounds. His son is like six three or six four, 215, 220 pounds. And also, oh, by the way, he runs a four three. So he's like way bigger, but has his dad's skill and uh, all the lessons his dad's probably been teaching him from day one. And he's really, really fast. So he is a complete wide receiver prospect. And I'm super excited to watch him play. And if you're in the market for a top five pick, top three pick, uh, he's a guy you want to keep an eye on. Probably the best non-quarterback prospect in the draft, in my personal opinion. And if you're a fantasy football player, scoop him up next year. Uh... Julian says, I have seen him. I watch a lot of college ball. My grandson is scoping out options for college. Oh, good. Yeah, he's uh, he is he's incredible. Um, Janet says, I have no sports ball team. Janet, what's, come on. You don't even have a hockey team? You're Canadian. What kind of Canadian are you? <laughs> what about the, what about the Canucks? Don't you like get into the Canucks up there? Is it a Canuck country where you're at? Janet, come on. You got to have some, some puck Puck, uh, puck friends. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, Jolene says, so much better and hoping it will work um, with my three Virgo placements remaining hopeful. Okay, this is in reference to Mercury switching signs. Good. Um, Melissa Carey is here. Hello, Melissa. Says, hi, Spencer. Speaking of Capricorn, would you fancy explaining Pluto leaving the 12th house, Cap Sun, and going into the ascendant Aquarius rising? Not sure what more Pluto would look like from Cap Suns. Okay, yes, I will do that. Um, and welcome Amber from Ohio. Nice to see you, Amber. Okay, so let me get to that in a second here. And then Tracy, I'll get to your question in a second too. Okay, so let me just let me just show you when Pluto is gonna be moving into Aquarius. So here's January 20th. We're going to have Pluto ingressing into Aquarius right with the sun in Aquarius. And we're having a question. I'll just put it on the ascendant for you. We just have a question about uh, what would happen once it moves for an Aquarius rising. What's going to happen when we have Pluto moving out of the 12th house and into the first? So... You know, Pluto, 
if we're if we're utilizing the the lectures that my one of my favorite astrologers robert schmidt had given about the outer planets uh he he's he definitely says that they're their own thing we don't we can't exactly make a one-to-one -one comparison to a planet as a as it being a higher vibration or something like that they are their own thing but if he did have to make a comparison he would compare pluto to a transcendental mercury now i've also heard other astrologers talk about pluto as a transcendental venus uh, and i can see arguments for both uh, i could see the argument for venus being one of catharsis because aphrodite was the goddess or the deity responsible for the um, the emotional catharsis of the greek theater uh, and Pluto is a planet that dredges things up and says, we've got to deal with it. You've repressed this for too long. Now it's time to deal with it. Now, from the perspective of seeing it as a transcendental Mercury, I could say that Mercury is a planet that stirs things up and, and alchemizes them. You know, it, 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 it's a change agent. And from that perspective, Pluto is a major change agent that says, well, You've got you've to be able to alchemize the intention of the sun and the substance of the moon. Now, previously I was talking about Neptune as transcendental moon as universal substance. Schmidt would also consider Uranus as the transcendental sun, universal mind, the one mind. So think about Pluto and or Mercury, if you want to make that connection, as the intermediaries between those two types of energies. So I think that what we're seeing with Pluto, a couple things, change, okay? So there's going to be a, this is why modern astrologers would talk about Pluto as transformation, right? It's, I love the way that Ann Ortley talks about it as the, the, the cocoon, the butterfly in the cocoon. But if you understand metamorphosis the butterfly like melts <laughs> inside of the cocoon so there is this this really crazy a chemical change that's going on inside that cocoon and maybe even underground or under the surface if we're bringing in the greek myth of hades that there's something beneath the surface that we're not even seeing that's happening that are that is creating changes so long story short now that pluto is in your first house or will be you might be going through those changes personally it could be through your body with the first house it could be through your character it could be through your consciousness um it's in aquarius so there will be changes that will be related to how we give and receive information um you know a lot of people are talking about technology related to this ideas the fabric of society if we think of aquarius as a pure saturnian sign whereas capricorn is more of a blend of mars and saturn because of mars's exaltation in that sign uh we think about distance we think about hovering over in the thirty thousand foot viewpoint we think about the ideals that craft the boundaries and the laws of the fabric of society. So we'll, we're probably going to be 
dissolving and reforming how we just think about what a society is and the ideas associated around it. We may even be dissolving and reforming what it means to be human. Okay, this is this is part of what's going on with a lot of like considering artificial intelligence and and what our role as flesh beings <laughs> is when we have a computer that is going to be potentially a thousand times quicker slash smarter than us. Um, that idea is fascinating, but also a little bit scary. So this could also be related to the fears that we have around technology, the fears that we have around being replaced by robots or AI or something like that. Um, oftentimes where Pluto is, is things that we are afraid of. Uh, when it was in Capricorn, we had a lot of fear related to governments. We had a lot of fear related to um, captains of industry or the wealth gap became much wider during Pluto and Capricorn. So this is another thing where we could be experiencing uh, and having to deal with things that had been repressed or put underground or beneath the surface of our awareness that will bubble up like a volcanic eruption um, to be dealt with. So we are going to have to deal with the ramifications and the corruption of the technology that we have created in theory to be of service to us as human beings. And the problem is going to be that we're going to have to be careful that we do not become in service of it or enslaved to it, which on some level we already have become addicted to our technological devices and, and you know, we have to play this game of pleasing the algorithmic gods and things of that nature. And, and I think that ultimately Pluto, while it can be painful, can be a rebalancing uh, force. So by the end of Pluto and Aquarius, hopefully we will understand what, what we need to do as a human species to be able to, um, to work with our technology rather than against it or for it. I hope that makes sense. And all of those bigger picture questions will probably be experienced in microcosm for you in the first house as well. Okay, like how do how do you change who you are to adapt to that new reality? And how do all of us change to adapt to the new reality in our particular Aquarius house? Like I'm a Leo rising, so Pluto will be moving into my seventh house. Which means that my relationships could go through that type of potential change. Uh, my relationship to the public, which is a seventh house uh, signification could go through that type of change. So those are some things just to keep aware of as we move forward. So hopefully that was helpful for you there, Melissa. But, you know, I think on some level, getting uh, Pluto off of your natal sun is could be a relief. Like I know that having Pluto not opposing my own natal sun and Cancer and my Mercury is, uh, I'll take it, you know, <laughs> I will take it. Uh, let's see. It's, everything's got to be somewhere. This is the thing, you know? And um, 
there's a great mystery to all of it. And I think that that can, um, living into the answer is really important, especially when we're astrologers, right? And it can be really easy for us to look to a planet that has some negative connotations and get really nervous about a change. And um, sometimes those, those thoughts are warranted, and, but most often we tend to catastrophize and the the worst possible outcome usually does not come to pass so that's something to keep in mind too okay tracy's question says yes she would say that about omens is this your spiritual teacher tracy it says i resonate with what you're saying for sure regarding mercury i have mercury on the mc in cancer would that be affected by the mercury shift as well oh yeah t totally tracy so so tracy let's just say that you uh let's see mercury and the mc and cancer would make you a libra rising if you're using whole signs so let's just f float it over there for a minute i'm gonna i'm gonna put libra on the on the ascendant Okay, I think, what am I doing here? Yeah, so let's say Tracy has Mercury here in the 10th and Mercury was in her third, but now is moving into her fourth house and there's a shift. There's going to be an opposition between her natal Mercury and transiting Mercury there probably is a shift in focus from your immediate environment like neighbors or siblings or daily habits and routines or a learning process and the shift might be towards your home your family your roots there may be some questions about your your living situation or something like that but then it's going to be retrograding back into the third house so the themes that you were experiencing over the last week or two probably going to be up for reevaluation um, during the retrograde cycle. Now, when you have Mercury opposite your natal Mercury, I guess the challenge with that, and I'm going to be going through this myself, uh, my friend, I have Mercury in Cancer, but in the 12th house, I would say that the way that the collective is communicating and the, the, the things that the collective is maybe communicating or thinking about may be a little bit different than what we naturally would think about or the way that we communicate. So like if we have Mercury in Cancer, a lot of our thoughts are, are very subjective and emotional. Um, I compare Mercury in Cancer and Mercury in any water sign on some level to trying to, to shout underwater, right? Our emotions are like, uh, you know, a, a, a pool that we have to wade through to be able to get to the surface. And there is nothing like a Mercury in Cancer who's upset, trying to talk. And like, for me, if I'm really upset, you're not, I'm not going to be able to talk very well because it has to, has to, the words have to rise through layers and layers and layers of feelings. Now, when Mercury is in Capricorn, that's not necessarily how people are going to be communicating with one another. There might be a lot more practical, tangible communication 
that may feel a little awkward for those of us who tend to communicate a little bit more emotionally, maybe a little bit more with nonverbal communication. So it could feel a little bit of tension around that. And there also could be some questions around your living situation versus your, your, um, your career or your public life. And Mercury is the ruler of your ninth and your 12th house. So there could be questions around your own beliefs and maybe even questioning like undermining influences in your life too with the 12th house. I've been talking a lot about undermining influences with that. So hopefully that's helpful for you, Tracy. Um, okay, let's see. Dawn says, moving forward would be amazing. I fell hard on Thanksgiving and still can hardly get around. Communication with doctors and pharmacists has been so discombobulating too. Oh, I'm sorry, Dawn. Hope that that is working out for you. Dawn, are you Leo rising like me? I can't remember. Um, but if so, then you'd have Mercury moving into your sixth house. So maybe the communication with the doctors might start to... Uh, start to improve potentially. Or you might have to go in, in a review process with that and revisit it eventually with Mercury eventually retrograding there. Uh, Melissa says, hi Spencer, thanks a million. Okay, thanks Melissa. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Um, she says that, yes, it's been on my sun sign since 2008. Yes, that's, that's a lot. My partner's had, you know, Pluto in her first house for that length of time, you know, at plus a few more years. and. I've seen her go, go through some incredible transformations as well. So Cap Risings, you might get some relief having Pluto finally leaving your first house. You're, you're a changed person for sure than, than when it started. Uh, Melissa says, had lots of a loss, to be honest, in the past years. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've, I've lost uh, some pretty important people in my life as well. And it wasn't, was not easy. It was definitely intense. Devin says, interesting that the sun is right there. Something dark or corrupt might be forced into the light around that time. Good. I like that, Devin. I mean, I don't, I don't like it, but I like your observation. And I think that you're right. I think that the sun definitely shines a big spotlight on things. And a sun-Pluto conjunction could definitely expose a, a difficult truth. Maybe it is through some kind of leader because it's associated with the sun. Maybe it's also the exposure of a technological challenge as well. Like maybe we get some information about, I don't know, like maybe chat GPT is starting to do something weird or like something like that. Uh, that could be an awareness that we have. I like to think of the sun as, and light in general as awareness. So we may become aware of something corrupt like you are pointing out. Melissa says, I have the moon and Leo. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Spencer. Oh, good. Thanks, Melissa. And yeah, that's going to, so out of the frying pan into the fire, right? With, uh, or uh, <laughs> with, uh, off of your sun and then opposing your moon. I mean, this is just, this is astrology, um, but we'll get through it together. Uh, Devin says, last comment about the sun was in reference to the Pluto ingress. Yes, gotcha, bud. Um, Don says, sun rising, and Sag sun and rising, Gem, Gemini moon. Natal Mercury in Capricorn. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I have fire rising there. Um, so Don, you're just you're going through that uh, Mercury in the second house. Um, what's your? So your sixth house is Aries, mm -mm 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 -mm, right? Am I thinking of this correctly? No, sixth house would be Taurus. Sorry, I'm just trying to do it in my head without even looking at it. 
Um, so, so Don, I would say this, just pay attention to Jupiter moving direct at the end of the month. Uh, you may have a helper or a doctor or an appointment that starts to move forward or like a blocked situation starts to move forward at the end of December because of Jupiter's station, station direct in your sixth house. So keep an eye out for that. That could be something to look for with the timing. Uh, Tracy says, so true, very helpful. There was a reference to the 12th and unhelpful areas was an eye, eye opener from last week. Yes. Yes. We were talking about undermining, you know, like the underminer, uh, I'm always under you, but I'm always beneath you, but nothing is beneath me or something like that, right? From uh, The Incredibles. I'm just stretching out a little bit here, friends. Make sure you stretch out in your time uh, with us today. Make sure that you're moving your body around because we sit too much. We got to make sure we're moving. We can move and talk. Uh, let me take this opportunity to... Uh, ask you very kindly to hit that like button. If you are new, I would love it if you would become a subscriber and sign up for the newsletter. Um, if you want to make a gift to the channel, you can hit that dollar sign and make a super chat or super sticker. That always helps too. Appreciate everyone's generosity on this channel. We have a lot of really supportive folks. Um, yeah, and stretch your body out. One of the things uh, I've been doing lately, this is kind of funny, as we get older, th joints get stiff, you know, we need to stay mobile, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I'm learning about is how to increase my circulation. I have read some literature about the South Node. I believe this was from Judith Hill, where she talked about, she's like a medical astrologer type person. And she talked about the south node being maybe some points of challenge in our bodies. And I have the south node in Aquarius. And Aquarius is associated with circulation in the body. Uh, so I, I sometimes have some circulation issues. Oh, thank you, Don, for the super sticker. Thank you so much, my friend, for your generosity and for that wonderful gift. I appreciate you. Um, so I've been thinking about ways to increase my circulation. And I've been starting to, I, I came across this video, this random video for like full body tapping, where you like tap your body just to get like your, your, get blood to the surface and like move things around. And I've started to do this every morning and, you know, like, just like, I'm just like slapping myself all the time now, which it, honestly, it feels really good. It's like, I'm just kind of like, beating on my hips and my back and my shoulders <laughs> it's, oh man like the the things we have to do to get all of our our energy it's it's kind of like a, a, a qigong energy exercise where you're just kind of moving around things in your body it's like a almost like an acupressure technique and i've been doing this a lot lately and and it really has been helping i do it with my kidneys and my legs and my knees my neck my head get it on your face you know, get some circulation everywhere in those difficult to reach places. Um, I was looking into this little, there's this thing called a hip hook where it opens your hips up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going on this weird tangent, but all of the like increasingly uh, ridiculous devices and that you need to like keep your body limber. <laughs> is kind of funny to me. Uh, 
one of my favorite things, and this is, I'll get back to the astrology in a second, but uh, I have this, this little ball that has a lot of like little, um, like, uh, like foam points on it. It's probably about the size of a softball. Man, I'll tell you, that thing really gets into your, your, your muscles and your joints and I love it. Okay, let's back, let's get back to it. We're all stretched out, got a drink of water. I love all these comments, fun spending time with all of you here today on this Friday afternoon. Yeah, if you have a question, just put, put uh, in all caps question so I make sure that I get it. And, and if you have questions about, you know, general astrology stuff, technique, your chart, all those things, we're just kind of hanging out. Sports, you want to know about the latest, uh, you know, draft picks coming up. If your team's not doing so good, we'll talk about that. Need some fantasy advice. I, I'm pretty obsessed with fantasy football. I maybe even too much so. I've been kind of questioning whether I want to do it again next year. I think it's just taking up a little bit too much of my brain space. But we'll see. We all need a little bit of uh, fantastical diversions here and there. Oh, Dawn says Uranus is all up in there at the moment. My needle Saturn too. Yeah. In the sixth house with Taurus. Yes. A lot of changes there with our bodies and dealing with, with challenges and misfortunes sometimes can be a little overwhelming, but six house is really six house is about the journey, Dawn. And I think that the journey is really important when you have major transits through the sixth house. Um, it is, it's something where you really just have to kind of understand that there will be some things that will pull you away from completing some things. Uh, but it's a preparatory phase. It's a preparatory phase for a completion. If you think about it with the angular triads, the sixth house is the one that is is going was on the seventh house previously and in in astrology we can think about it as it's all the things we're doing to get us ready for a completion okay or you can also think about it as everything that's pulling us away from completing something um, there is this kind of duality with the way that the houses move so you have by pr this is primary and secondary motion okay so what i'm talking about here with um angular triads so let's say we have these three houses that are related to one another and we have the the angular house seventh house and we have the cadent house here which is six the angular which is seventh and the succeeding one that is eight and through primary motion this clockwise motion the motion of the sun okay we are seeing the eighth house will come to the angle after the seventh, and the sixth house was previously on the angle. If you look at the motion of a chart, all right. So over, let's just I'll just show you how this works. See how Aries is moving into the sixth. It was previously on the angle, but then it moves into the sixth, and then we have the succeeding house is now in the angle here with Taurus, okay, and so on and so forth. And this is how a chart moves over the course of the day. You can see it's kind of shifting every hour. Our rising sign is based on the hour, okay? So when we have sixth house stuff, not only are we being pulled, are the planets that are in that house being pulled away, okay? So let's just see Jupiter here. Let's look at, here's Jupiter's Sag rising chart like we're talking about. Jupiter is being pulled away from completion. But it is also 
desiring to go by secondary motion, the motion of the moon and of the prime, uh, of the, the zodiacal motion, okay, which is related to the moon and fortune. That planet is wanting to go to that space of completion, but is being pulled away from it, this push and pull, okay? Eventually, those planets over the long term, over many days, will move in this secondary motion, okay? So there's understanding angular triads and this dual primary and secondary motion has really helped me uh, understand what a planet's desires and intentions might be in a certain place. Really powerful technique for understanding uh, astrology. But the, the, the long and the short of it is that when planets are in the sixth house, it's either a preparatory phase or it can feel like we're being pulled away from our completion or our celebration. Um, but we have to learn from the journey. Okay, I tell, tell this to my sixth house stellium daughter all the time. Like she, she was, she's been robbed of a lot of like ceremony in her life due to circumstances completely outside of her control. If you think about that as the joy of Mars, it's misfortune, Mars, that comes to you through, that, that house is called malas tuke, right? Or kakas tuke, bad fortune. So it's just things that are outside of your control that are pulling you away from that completion. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that through acceptance and through preparation. We talk about the I Ching as, as a, uh, a document that helps us understand that not every moment is a moment for action. Sometimes the best action we can do is prepare for when the moment is right to move forward again. So hang in there and uh, just keep an eye on Jupiter moving forward again. And then eventually it's going to move into your seventh house and that's probably going to feel a lot better once it does too. Don says, we just don't move anymore like we used to. Too much electronics nowadays. Yes, Don, I agree. I have this chair. If you see me wobbling around, I have this chair. I can't even remember the name of it now, but it, it's basically like I'm sitting on a medicine ball, but it's like built into the chair, which is super cool. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it, it, it's it's like a wood platform built onto a, medis a small medicine ball. So I'm just kind of like, Moving around helps my hips move a little bit more, so I'm not static. I love it. Sprung is the name of it. Sprung chair. And it's just this guy out in the East Coast that makes them now. I think he, he hadn't got a lot of business when I ordered mine. <laughs> he was like, oh, where did you find me? I'm not even advertising. I'm like, I don't know, man, Pinterest? <laughs> like, so, but he, uh, he does good work. Devin says, I'll have to hit you up later about how to get that wheel and solar fire. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, what in, I have Astro Gold here up on the screen and I have, uh, the Deccan rulers, the sign glyph and the bound rulers all in the same, uh, little sphere there, which is really cool. Cause it helps, helps you kind of see which, which Deccan or which bound a planet is in, which can give you some additional information for sure. Laura Elizabeth is here. Hello, Laura. Uh, and Maybe I welcomed you earlier, but she, Laura says, we baby boomers with Pluto and Leo are starting our Pluto oppositions for the next 20 years. Wondering your thoughts on Pluto opposition. My Mercury is conjunct Pluto and Leo in the ninth house. Ooh, Laura, that's a big question. Uh, let's see. Let me think. All right, so Laura, what is the 
So Pluto oppositions, I'm guessing, they're going to come. What age do those, does that start generally? If you're a baby boomer, you're probably like 60, 60 or something like that. Um, let me think about that for a second, because I'm just thinking about when, how Pluto has like a 20, it has a variable cycle. It's anywhere from like late teens to 20 plus years. So we'd probably, let's see. I'm just going to do a random, maybe tell me the year that you were born. And I could see what that might look like in a chart for you. Uh, Laura, what's your rising sign? And what house, what houses are lit up with this? Because, I mean, that's really, it's going to be different for every person. Um, when we have something lighting up our charts like that, uh, we will, we will need to look at it from a different lens. Um, let's see. Oh, wow, Laura. Okay, people born 1943 on, I'm 1946, Sag Rising, wow. Okay, yeah, so it, it's, it does happen a little bit further down the road, huh? So, okay, so Sag Rising. So Pluto is going, you have Pluto and Leo here, third house, ninth house. Okay, we're talking about Laura's chart, Sag Rising, Sun, Saturn, and Cancer. Well, the good news, Laura, is that Pluto is going to be not opposing our suns anymore in Cancer, so that's good. But the Pluto opposing our own Pluto, well, it's a toughie because I, first of all, I, I plead a little bit of ignorance because I haven't lived through that transit myself yet. And sometimes I find it a little bit more difficult to speak on a particular transit when I haven't experienced it firsthand. I've experienced a Saturn opposition. I've experienced a Saturn return. Um, I'm going through my Uranus opposition right now. Uh, but what I think could be possible with a Pluto opposition, especially over the Leo and Aquarius axes, is that we are going to be... Pluto, Pluto and Leo has a a challenging relationship with needing to be seen and recognized. I, I thinking about my own, uh, my own father, who is a Pluto, he's a late Pluto Leo, he's, he was in the end of the Pluto Leo generation. And he is someone who isn't super comfortable with visibility. Uh, there are other Pluto Leos that hunger for visibility and for respect and for acknowledgement um, more than anything in the world. And I would say that on, an, on a negative way of looking at it, some of the younger generations, and this, this is not, I don't think this is everybody and this is not 100% my opinion or anything, but sometimes when we are uh, generalizing the Pluto-Leo generation, there is sort of a, uh, I don't know, younger generations are sort of kind of calling out some selfishness with it, some self-absorbedness. One of the jokes I'm thinking of is like Saturday Night Live, where they were making fun of the baby boomer generation 
where um, <laughs> they they were saying uh, talking about houses and the baby boomers were like, ah, oh, I bought my fifth house today. Good for me. You know, while everyone was was having difficulty with the housing market. Um, I also am thinking of a scene in community with a uh, baby boomer slash uh, Libra son, uh, ironically, um, Pierce Hawthorne, who is played by Chevy Chase. And he's talking about baby boomer Santa. <laughs> he please playing baby boomer Santa. Go look that up on YouTube. Baby boomer Santa. <laughs> like, and it's a lot of about wanting to be special and the, 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 the challenges of trying to be special um, and wanting to be acknowledged, wanting to be a singular point of consciousness. I mean, there's, there's um, rock stars in Pluto and Leo, you know, but there are dark sides to that too. There are dark sides to hungering for attention or hungering for dominance or hungering for power uh, that we can see with Pluto and Leo. And when you are experiencing that, with an opposition to Pluto in Aquarius, the challenges with Pluto and Aquarius are a little bit different. Some of the challenges are feeling like we aren't able to be individuals, that we have to homogenize. And for Pluto and Leos, that could be extraordinarily painful if they're already afraid of being subsumed and, and unseen and unacknowledged in an, in, an environment that is requiring us to give up some of our personal desires and needs for the good of the collective, which we will have to do because of the changes that we're experiencing with things like climate change, with uh, resources becoming limited. We will have to give up and make some sacrifices of our own power and resources to rebalance the needs of the collective. And that might be really challenging for people that are already struggling with wanting to ascend to uh, some kind of throne of power or acknowledgement. And doesn't mean that the Pluto and Leo people are wrong. This, that's, the, that's the last thing I want you to take away from this. Everybody has a Pluto. Everybody has something in their life that they've repressed or that maybe even they've pursued to the point of corruption. So we, I think that where Pluto is in our life, we, we have to deal with things that have been repressed. So I'm a Pluto Libra, and my, uh, my view of relationships was challenging from very, very early on in my life. My parents were divorced multiple times between the two of them, and it made me very distrustful and paranoid about relationships and about commitment. Uh, so that's something that I'm still working on and working through uh, as an adult. So Pluto and Leos alternately may have a fear of being seen. Maybe they have a fear of being a tyrant where also they may also sometimes you know, embrace some of those tendencies too. So, so those are the things that we're probably gonna be seeing with the opposition is those fears are going to be different for the collective. I'm going to be super blunt, and I think that this is this could be a little bit painful to hear, but um, people are not going to care as much about your individual journey 
to become a singular point of light during Pluto and Aquarius because there are going to be bigger issues to tackle. I hope that that makes sense. And that could be really disorientating for someone whose much of their life has been about finding individual identity. And that's probably where the, the, the disconnect and the tension is going to come in. And I say this with all the love in my heart, like I'm a Leo rising friend. The search for personal identity is important to me. <laughs> like it's something that I've struggled with in my life and tried to figure out what it means to be an individual and part of a community, et cetera. And for anyone that's had Leo placements, the Pluto in Aquarius, you know, age, the, the age where we are going to be having to deal with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, um, it's going to test us. We've already been tested a little bit with this. We were tested during the pandemic, okay, and continue to be tested during, you know, these times where we had to sacrifice some of our own individual desires and in some cases our own individual freedoms for the good of the collective. Some of us went along with that willingly. Other people railed against it with every fiber of their being. And, and you know, that is part of the, that, that type of thing is probably going to be a theme uh, for the Pluto and Leo generation moving forward. And over your third and ninth house, um, this could be something where you may really, your belief system has been a source of in, intense transformation and change. But there might be a focus on your, your routines, your daily habits and your routines, relationships with siblings and extended family members, neighbors, all of those things are going to be up for, you know, great deep healing, transformation, etc. And um, my advice would be to go with the flow. When we resist the changes that are happening in society, uh, we tend to exhaust ourselves swimming upstream. That doesn't mean that we should lose all of our values just because there is a new set of social values coming out in the world. It depends on what it is. If, if the value that you're holding on to is limiting someone else's freedom or ability to be themselves, then it's not a, a healthy value. Um, but there are some things that are, you know, timeless that we can bring with us from one generation to another. So we have to figure out which of those is important, which, which ones aren't. So good luck with that. <laughs> I'm going to be doing this at some point in my life when Pluto moves into to, to Aries, if I make it that long, <laughs> hopefully. And uh, we'll see, and we'll compare notes, whether in this life or the next one. <laughs> like if, I don't know what, Pluto and Aries is kind of far away, so we'll, we'll see. So I hope that was helpful, and um, we'll, we'll get through it together, friend. Devin says, Leo is the 1940s and includes the atomic generation. Yes, definitely. Uh, Mystic Solution says, the south node will be hitting my four-planet stellium, in my 10th, and my stellium is Mercury, Mars, Pluto, and Venus. I don't even know what to think of this 16 degrees Capricorn rising. Okay, well, let me unpack that in a second. Thank you, Michelle, for the super sticker. Nice to see you, my friend. Appreciate your wonderful gift to the channel and your continuing generosity. Appreciate you, my friend. 
Okay, so let me let me see. I'm just I'll come back to this in a second here. Uh, Mystic solutions. I'm just checking and see here. Devin says Pluto and Aquarius is also a rebellious spirit where the outsides of society may overthrow the status quo. I like that, Devin. That is that's a good point. Uh, think of Leo as the ultimate insider, and Aquarius as the the uh, the fringe. So there there's going to have to be communication between. The, the fringe and the people who have uh, consolidated power during this opposition. And that could be a lot of tension, you know, like uh, I think if we're able to release our need, our deep need to feel acknowledged by the collective, that may be helpful. Uh, I think that the healthiest Leo is one that is their most authentic self, whether they have the approval of the collective or not. Um, I think that when we release the need to get the applause and to get the acknowledgement and we give it to ourselves, that's when we're healthy Leos. Also, I would offer that a healthy Leo story comes to us from Liz Green, and it's the story of Parsifal and the, the Grail Cup. And Parsifal, you know, failed to have empathy in his first few journeys to find the grail. And finally, through his empathy for others, he was able to successfully understand the essence of the grail, asking the question, whom does the grail serve? You know, and so this is this is another thing to, to think about if we're dealing with Pluto, Pluto and Leo energy, is how can we create empathy for others that aren't just like us, right? How can we share our wisdom, our our ability to to be leaders and to empower others as well as in, in, in addition to feeling empowered ourselves. Um, okay, Mystic Solution says the South Node will be hitting my four planet stellium in the 10th. Mars, Mercury, Pluto, and Venus, uh, 16 degree Capricorn rising. So this is South Node in Libra. Well, I can answer that by just talking about the South Node in general. Um, the South Node is, according to Hellenistic astrologers, a place where energy, where uh, physicalness is leaving the, the earthly plane. Think of it like a drain. Um, and when it's hitting multiple planets in a chart, there may be a lot of things that we have to let go of. Now, in Western society, that feels scary because we've been trained on a growth and acquisition mindset. From maybe a more Eastern spiritual perspective, the South Node brings us closer to our spirituality through detachment, through letting go of the earthly bindings and chains that keep us in a cycle of desire. So this may be a wonderful opportunity to practice detachment mystic solutions to, to understand that losses in the physical plane will bring you closer to a spiritual understanding and existence. And it may come to you through your public life, through your career, and things of that nature. You could also be dealing with things from the past that need to be processed. Uh, think about also the South Node as K2, the severed body of a dragon or a demon that is processing old things. 
So it's a great time to just let go, to absorb the nutrients from the experience and then let the form go, right? So take the wisdom from those experiences and then just say, I'm free. It can be a liberating influence as well. So hang in there. You got this. Uh, let's see. Isla Sky says, question, talking of Pluto, Spencer, does that mean you have been through your Pluto square? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, I've been going through the Pluto square um, for the past decade-ish, at least, with by whole sign. Um, yeah, the, 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 it's, it's the sky. The, the Pluto square for me was a number of things. The main thing that I think came out of it was a very, and this was over my third and sixth house, you know, axes there, third and sixth. I had Pluto in the third house in Libra, sixth house Capricorn. Um, when my Pluto square was perfecting, I became a full-time parent. I inherited a lot of responsibility with my teenage daughter who had been living at her mom's for the first 14 years of her life. And I was, you know, I was a non-custodial parent and we had a custody change and I inherited full legal and physical custody of my daughter during my Pluto square. And it was a huge shift in the way that I had to take responsibility for not only my day-to-day -day habits, but also how I took care of others and how, the work that I would do that I wasn't going to get a lot of credit for. Because if any of you have ever been a parent of a teenager, <laughs> there's a lot of things you're going to do that you are not even, you're not going to get acknowledged for, and you're probably going to get uh, punished for on some level by your teenager who is just trying to figure out how to be a person and deal with different hormonal changes and things of that nature. So that was the, I would, I would say that was the main experience of my Pluto square. I would also say that um, I had to, to deal with uh, my mom being really sick during that period of time and eventually passing away uh, and having to deal with, you know, my perspective on life and death. So I, I came face to face with, with death during that period of time as well. Um, and it was tough. It was it was painful, and I'm kind of I'm I'm a little bit cautiously nervous about Pluto moving into my seventh house. I, it could be better. It could be I I just don't know. I've never never experienced it yet. Um, but I am excited about being done with the Pluto square and and having Pluto not being uh, opposing my Sun and Mercury. I'm not super excited about Pluto squaring my natal moon uh, by whole sign. That doesn't sound awesome, uh, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, oh, and thanks, Julene, for the super sticker. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate your generosity. I'll, I'll get down to these comments and questions here. I'm a little bit behind, but appreciate all of you. So I hope that was uh, helpful for you, Isla Sky. Um, I'll, I know that you have another thought about that. I'll, let's see if, uh, uh, let's see. Isla Sky says, my folks are Leo 1945 and 50. So all that was interesting to hear what they'll go through. Good luck. Yeah. 
yeah, a lot of our parents are in that generation or grandparents if you're younger. And, you know, they're going to be going through challenging stuff too. Like it, it may be a, a, a tough time for those folks. Um, so compassion is, is important. Even if we feel some, some challenging feelings around the way that they've, you know, acted in the past or the challenges that they've gone through, uh, just remember what goes around comes around. And if you are t too dismissive of your Pluto and Leo family, friends, etc., just wait until your kids and grandkids are, are younger, are, are, are older, and then say, well, you Pluto and Libras, or you Pluto and Scorpios, you did this and this and this. Like it's, everyone's got, you know, issues that they've got to work out. And, you know, uh, there's a quote about glass st throwing stones at glass houses that uh, I'll probably butcher if I try to say, but you understand the uh, the gist of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So hopefully that answers my Pluto square question. Is this is a toughie? Yeah, it wasn't the most fun. Uh, Devin says Pluto and Capricorn is Spencer square. Yes, absolutely. Laura Elizabeth says, thanks, Spencer, profound insight about the me generation, about individuation versus the good of the collective. I have no Aquarius planets, so we'll hope to learn a lot. And and Laura, thank you for, for that comment, too. Like, I absolutely mean no disrespect to the baby boomers or the Pluto and Leo folks. Um, I think that there are bigger forces at work than just individuals, but it definitely we, we definitely should self-examine. Um, how the generational influence affects us as individuals. I think in a greater, in, on a greater scheme, you, you, the, the, the power brokers that have Pluto and Leo may be uh, the ones that aren't really thinking about the good of the whole and they're, they're trying to uh, maintain their own power. I'm, there's one individual I'm thinking of in particular that has Pluto in the first house. Okay, you all know who, who he is. Uh, that, that don't care at all about anyone else, but only about himself and his own ascension to a throne. So, so take, um, take a good hard look at that individual and see what, how the, the pursuit of absolute power can corrupt. Um, Devin says, Laura, hopefully you'll be able to share your story with us as you continue to experience it. I agree, Devin. Just, just tell us how it goes, you know, because we're all going to, if we're lucky, we, if we're lucky, we'll get to experience a Pluto opposition. This is something I've been talking about with my partner. This is a huge perspective shift. When you see these challenging midlife, later life transits coming up and you're like, oh no, just think about all the people who aren't even lucky enough to get to that point. And it is a gift to be able to have lived that long to to experience a Pluto opposition, a, a Uranus opposition even, or even a Uranus conjunction if we get to that around age 84 or so. It, there's just uh, so many different stages of life and um, being able to work through it and have compassion for each other while we're going through it is important. Uh, Juline says, I have had good experiences with Pluto and Leo people in my life. They seem to be so young at heart, but wise and seem to relate to younger folks better than other aging generations. Just my experience. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> when we make enormous generalizations about individuals 
just because of where their Pluto was, it's tough. I mean, it's it's much more of a macrocosmic thing where the, the folks that are experiencing that are a product of their time. And some individuals buy into the story slash propaganda of their time or the values of their time. We can look at it multiple ways. We can look at it negatively. We can look at it positively. Other people don't. Other people reject all of that. I've, I've, I've uh, been a little bit outside the mainstream of my particular generation. Um, other things I've fallen in line with. I mean, we all have to make our uh, decisions around that. Some of us uh, have the the good fortune to be able to go against the grain, and others, we, we haven't had a lot of choices. There's many different uh, events in our life that cause us to choose what we've chosen. And just, I always go back to this story because it's I think it's a really interesting story. I have a stepfather who's Pluto and Cancer, okay? Like, and he's the very end of Pluto and Cancer, 44. And he, um, and I'm Cancer son, so you can imagine some of the challenging experiences he and I have had with one another. Uh, he's very patriotic, and he was a police officer for a long time. And his dad died in World War II when he was a baby. And understanding his commitment to the mythology of patriotism, I have compassion for it because it was a story that he needed to believe in to justify the death of his father. So if you just think about that for a second, and I'm not saying that every perspective that he has is right or that every decision that he makes based on that is correct. But when you have that shad, that type of shadow hold, hanging over your head, it gives you a little bit of, just a little bit of compassion for why someone would choose to believe what they believe and how difficult it might be to change some of that when that's the thing that is kind of holding your reality together. <laughs> you know, it's tough. And I'm sure I am positive. I have similar things in my own life, and every single one of you out there has something in your life that is holding together your reality based on your upbringing and your experiences. And some of us will be able to transform that. Others of us will have more difficulty with that. So uh, good luck is what I'll say. <laughs> But this is the beauty of astrology. When you can see that in someone's chart and you can understand where they're coming from, I, to, to me, that is the, the foundation for tolerance and acceptance of other people, which I think is really important, even if we uh, don't agree with their political views or their perspective on life. Uh, very interesting for sure. Melissa says, yes, definitely. Uh, thanks again, Julian, for the super sticker. Appreciate you. Go Cardinals. Um, Laura says, my Pluto square was totally life-changing at times, scary and empowering. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was definitely life-changing for me. I mean, be, like I said, going from having a, a very, feeling disempowered as the non-custodial parent at various times 
to like having to make all the decisions all like overnight. That was, that was a lot to process. So yeah, I, I relate to that. This disguise is my Pluto 29 degrees Libra conjunct. I see has me in seek and destroy mode all the time. That might be because I am in the Scorpio year and I have Mars conjoined Saturn there in a day chart. Okay, well, I mean, be careful with that impulse is what I'll say. Uh, make sure that if you are in quote unquote seek and destroy mode, that what you are seeking to destroy is outmoded thoughts, uh, forms that are no longer vital. Um, be careful how you wield that sword is what I will say. Um, there are ways to do Scorpio energy years in a healthy way, but it comes through, I think, a lot of acceptance and a lot of owning our own experience. If you externalize that and you try to seek and destroy an external factor that, that is, has become an externalization of a shadow, that's when it becomes dangerous. But when you are using that energy to, to cut away old thoughts and ideals and beliefs and old forms that are no longer serving you, that's when it can be used effectively and efficiently. And what you're really doing is you're liberating that energy to find a new, healthy, uh, poignant form that will be useful in the present. Laura Elizabeth says, oh man, we got so many comments here. This is awesome. Thank you so much for spending your Friday afternoon with me, friends. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy the conversation. So let me, yeah, make sure, uh, do me a huge favor, friends. If you haven't liked the video, please do so. It's a, just the simple thing that can really help help the channel out a lot. And if you're new, please subscribe too. And thank you so much for all the super stickers. Those are great gifts to the channel and really help me to uh, open open up my time and, and be able to do this work. Laura Elizabeth says, thanks, Isla Sky. I'll report on how it feels as I live it. Travel and philosophy and astrology have been major focuses in my life. Oh, good. Yeah, there's, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how we can age gracefully in the, I guess, the third chapter of our lives. I would say I'm... I'm 43. I don't know which chapter I'm in. I, I never take it for granted. This could be the, the middle. This could be, I could be getting closer to the end. We never know how much time we have. Maybe I'll, maybe it's the first third. Who knows how long we will have, how long we will live. But, but learning to age gracefully and apply the wisdom and be able to understand and integrate the experiences we have, um, I think is really important as we age. I think just being able to say, what did I learn from this experience? Even if it, if it was positive or negative, how can I, in, how can that inform the future choices that I'm going to make? And ultimately, how can I help alleviate both my own and the suffering of others? If you ask yourself those questions, I think you'll, it's a, it's, that's a great way to go through life, in my opinion, spoken as a 12th house son. Um... Tatiana says, my Pluto square was really intense because it had the moon in square and the Saturn conjunction. Huge emotional anxiety came out of nowhere and painful relationships. Pluto on the 11th. 
Libra. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about my Pluto moon square. Um, yeah, anxiety is an interesting word. I have some of that myself as much as I feel, as I try to be my, I try to project my best self when I am doing this work and try to be calm and be uh, a, a leader and uh, I don't know, try to, to tap, I try to be the person uh, who, who I would want to get advice from, if that makes sense. Uh, I would want to be the, the, I would like to give the advice that I would like to be getting in the way that I would like to receive it. It doesn't mean I'm a perfect person or have any super unique spiritual insight or anything like that. Uh, but anxiety, that definitely resonates with a Pluto moon square. I think that my Pluto moon square, I won't dwell on this too much, but I've been a little bit detached from society over the last few years the pandemic brought up a lot of trauma that i had around um people and being around large groups of people i would say that i, I don't think that i'm necessarily a. Uh, I am not what is the word i'm looking for uh well i'm definitely kind of a hermit i, I wouldn't say i'm agoraphobic but i'm a little bit germaphobic i guess i would say which has caused me to isolate more and longer and more intensely than maybe your average person. So there may be a reckoning that I have to come to with that to be able to figure out how to reintegrate into physical society with Pluto squaring the moon if I'm anticipating what that might mean for myself personally and the anxiety that may come with that. Um, but we all have our challenges and you'll probably you know, get to see it in real time played out in front of you if I continue to do this work. <laughs> so uh, Isla says two questions related, I think. One, will my Pluto square reduce sooner than normal once it ingresses into Aquarius because it's a new sign, even though it's by degree, it's close. And two, my Scorpio planets trying the sun, Venus and Mercury and Cancer, moon also there, but squares my Leo ascendant. Do I move out of my Scorpio year on my birthday as I have? And then I have six more months, or do I have six more months of this? Um, okay, let me think about what that entails here. Think about this. Let me stop share for just a second. Um, and I see that we have a new super sticker from Laura. Thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate you. And... I hope I wasn't too harsh on you, Pluto and Leos. You know that I love all of you as well. My my dad's a Pluto Leo, you know, where <laughs> maybe you're just hearing it from like a son's perspective, you know, like someone who has a parent like that. And, um, my dad is is actually very unselfish. So I, I all of those cliches don't necessarily apply to every single person. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. So let me find Isla's comment again and see if I can parse it out. Will my Pluto square reduce sooner than normal once it ingresses into Aquarius because it's a new sign, even though the degrees are close? Uh, yes, I think that you will feel a difference. Uh, I do. The one thing that I am a little bit, uh, that I almost have questions about with outer planets and squares and things of that nature is 
the aspect theory. Now here we're going to get really we're going to get really experimental here. The aspect theory for planets speaks about being able to a planet being able to witness one another. Like literally see one another. The outer planets don't are not visible except for with very powerful telescopes. So I wonder even if we could even uh, ascribe the same type of aspectual relationships with the outer planets that we do with the traditional planets. Something to think about and to meditate on. Um, but what I will say is that if we are using whole sign houses and whole sign aspects, generally when a planet moves into a new house or a new sign, um, that relationship starts to shift. If it's going from a square to a trine, the conversation immediately becomes different. So yes, I do think that the, it doesn't mean that the themes that you've been dealing with for the past few years with the Pluto square are going to just automatically evaporate. I mean, but it does mean that there might be a more harmonious conversation between those two planets if we can ascribe the same aspectual relationship, which I like to ask the hard questions here on this channel. So I hope that's helpful. And for your second question, my Scorpio planets, trying the sun and Mercury in Cancer, moon there. Do I, uh, but squares my Leo ascendant. Do I move out of Scorpio year on my birthday as I have six more months, or do I have six more months of this? So if you're a Leo rising, Scorpio year would be your fourth house perfection year, if I'm thinking about this correctly. And annual perfections do switch over on your birthday. So they do not change over at the, uh, at the new year. Okay, they change over at your birthday. So if your birthday is coming, uh, the sun, wait, hold on a second. Scorpio, sun, Venus, Mercury, and Cancer. So yes, <laughs> like if, if you turned however many years old and started your Scorpio year in cancer season, um, or Scorpio season, sorry, Scorpio season, then you don't have six more months of this. You have 12 more. <laughs> so buckle up, depending on when your birthday was. Uh, so you'll get through it. It's fine. Just track the, the movement of Mars for the next year. And I think if you are a Scorpio sun, the good news is, is that I think that you will just miss Mars moving retrograde and opposing Pluto in early December of next year or late November, potentially. So you will get relief right when Mars will be in its most difficult spot. So that's good news. And you can thank the, your lucky stars for that, friend. Luna Storm is here. Luna Storm 23 says, hello, hello, Luna Storm. I'm getting ready for torrential rains coming this way and recovering from disappointing Seahawks games of late. Oh, sorry there, Luna Storm. I have to admit I was rooting for the, the Cowboys. The Seahawks are in competition with the Packers for that last playoff spot, bud. So, sorry, <laughs> but I understand the disappointment. And what I will say, Luna Storm, is those throwback uniforms were absolute fire. 
you all should keep those 80s Seahawks unis because they are clean and crisp. I love them. They looked good on TV last night. So lobby your uh, your owner or whatever to keep those old unis. The Steve Largent unis. The Brian Bosworth unis. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Rick Meyer era uniforms. They're clean. They look good. This like neon green. I don't know about all that. I like those old throwback uniforms. Um... Melissa is commenting on my Pluto Square saying, that's awful, Spencer, but great to hear that you have your daughter between all this. Yeah, it was a challenging experience, um, but we grew from it, and I have a pretty good relationship with my daughter, and she has healed some some of the challenges from that transition, I think, too, and uh, I won't speak too much about her own personal experience, but we all learned a lot about each other <laughs> during those times and she's doing good she's in college and wants to be a librarian uh so that's great and and i i love her a bunch um michelle says so interesting how different pluto in the first can show up for peeps humbled me beyond belief yeah i mean i saw this with my partner too with P pluto in the first house she went through enormous changes uh personally with with her body with um with her relationship with like you know her body in general and um she, she i don't know i don't want to get too far into the weeds here but uh she made a lot of changes in her life that were very very healthy and i think that she has a lot more energy and and uh is a much healthier person now than at the beginning of it and super proud of her for going through uh the the dark night of the soul so to speak with that too Julene says well i agree that pluto in leo persons are i agree on that pluto and leo persons and they there are some other things at play for that one oy vey. Are, are you a pluto and leo Julene? i'm sorry i don't mean to date you but uh <laughs> maybe there's like i said friends we all have pluto somewhere so just because you're not a Pluto and Leo does not mean that you don't have some part of your life that you've either ignored, repressed, or that can become corrupt easily with, with uh, activation. So again, it's good to own our own challenges and work on them without demonizing others. It's super important. I think it's really, I think it's, it is important to be critical of cross-generational differences and to try to uh, improve upon the blind spots of previous generations, but but to just like dismiss them and cast them aside and make them evil, that's not productive. Like that that because again, is that how you want to be treated when you're entering your own elderhood? I, that's not how I want to be treated. So I, I think that just c compassion is a great way to lead. Yeah, Julene says, bottom line, do your own shadow work and you'll be happier and so will the world. Amen to that, Don. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Laura says, I feel fortunate to be at this age and having, uh, having observing and living my transits for the last 52 years that I've been an astrologer. Pluto square, my natal Pluto empowered me the most of any transit. Yeah, yeah. 
it, and sometimes that power comes through the really difficult circumstances. Uh, power is tricky. Power is something that uh, we have to be careful of when we acquire it. And it's, yeah, it, it definitely tests our character one way or the other. Okay, let me see where we're at here. Dawn says, I see you, Laura, about to turn 53 here. It's been a huge growth period for me. Okay, connecting. Astrology has been is what's taught me compassion truly. Yes, I agree, Dawn. That's, it's definitely been the, the most important vehicle for compassion in, in my life, too, as far as just understanding how other people see the world and that it's different than how I see it. And then that's okay, uh, that everyone has their own path. Melissa says, I've done a chart. I did a chart after I lost my beautiful ma'am. Pluto was opposite, not exactly, and it was an eclipse two days later. But ma'am went through uh, a lot before we lost our beautiful lady. Yeah. I mean, Pluto exposes things that have been repressed, and it's not always pretty. Uh, so it's tough. There's it, the, the beauty of astrology is that there are symbols to describe every facet of life, I think, on some level. Uh, and... If you've lived long enough, you will realize that not every experience is fun or beautiful or uh, enjoyable, <laughs> and that there's a lot of painful, dirty, messy things in life. And just having language to describe that, I think, is useful and, and a real gift. And thanks again, Laura, for the super sticker. It says, thank you. Profound insights today as usual. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. Devin says, a Scorpio year is a good year to learn how to sharpen knives and hone your personal tools. Yes, yes, maybe learn to cook, cooking, or, you know, woodworking, I don't know, something like that. Devin is a butcher, so the, he is he is an expert on, on knives, so <laughs> good. Uh, Laura says, your cancer son is always gentle. I, I yes, try to be gentle. Uh, am I always gentle? No, but... On the channel, I try to be as as compassionate and loving as I can because I don't want to put that negativity out into the world. Uh, do I have negative feelings sometimes? Absolutely. Does the 12th house son, arrogant bastard, rear his head sometimes? Yes. Uh, does the Leo part of me who wants to be special have some pride issues? Absolutely. But... I try to self-examine a bit and I try to do better when I've screwed up and I try to admit when I'm wrong, uh, which isn't easy for less Leo type folks, but yes, kindness and gentleness, kindness, gentleness doesn't mean being a pushover. Like I wouldn't consider myself a pushover. I would actually consider myself extraordinarily stubborn. And if I've dug my heels in, in a certain position, it's very hard to move me off of it. Um, but it is easier to move through the world when you try to understand where other people are coming from, even if you disagree with them. And even if you have negative feelings, even if you have jealousy or shadow issues or something like that, just trying to work through those and own it so that you can, so it doesn't leak out is, is important. And I, I try to model that as much as I can here. I, I, fall short of the glory sometimes folks. So <laughs> like, I hope that that's, you know, by being vulnerable on this channel, it allows us to be vulnerable as a community. And that is something that I value quite a bit. 
Steven's here. Hello, made it. Sun and Pisces. Nice to see you, Steven. Devin says, that's a good point about aspect theory, Spencer. We're talking about aspects of traditional planets versus aspects and seeing uh, between outer planets that aren't necessarily visible. Aspect theory is based uh, is being based on casting rays at each other, which is based on our ability to see the sphere's light. So if we can't see their light, then do they cast rays? Yes. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, I don't have a great answer to that, but it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Um, Devin says Pluto is going to dip its toe back into Capricorn in 2024. Yep, and Mars and Cancer is going to oppose it. I'm lucky enough to have Mars be my time lord around that period of time as I experience a ninth house Aries transit. So you will get to witness Mars opposite Pluto with someone who has a time lord with Mars and Cancer retrograding opposing Pluto. So that'll be fun. Hopefully, uh, we'll all make it together with uh, all of our integrity intact. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hindsight's here talking to Jolene, says I've had that experience too. I'm a Pluto and Leo look and act young, but 84. It's been a long time t teaching in high schools. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways to stay young, right? I think that the youthfulness of Leo comes from the vitality and the endurance of the sun. So think about how the sun is sort of almost unchangeable, whereas the moon waxes and wanes. Uh, so a lot of Leo folks do have good luck sustaining vitality, staying youthful, staying connected with the source of their vitality because the sun's energy is everlasting. Uh, so, well, you know, relatively speaking, okay, even the sun will burn out, but it's going to take a while. Uh, Painted Turtle is here. Says, Spencer, how is your deck and walk going? You couldn't join, but I'm hoping it's going well so I can jump in sometime in the future. I think it's going well. I think we have some really amazing folks in the deck and walk. I think we have been exploring and sharing our stories. Uh, one thing I really like about the deck and walk is, is it's been an experience of collaborative storytelling, which we will go and look at each other's charts and look at the symbolism associated with the Deccan, with the tarot card, with the mythology, and then we will try to connect it to our lived experiences. And we've had some really incredible connections and insights. And especially it's useful because not everyone has the same rising sign or the same chart. So we can see each decanic placement lighting up different topics in our life. And that's really useful for seeing the, the multifaceted way that the Deccans can uh, be experienced. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm really just grateful for the folks that have been participating and their ability to share and be vulnerable. And uh, I'm, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll open up some registration in the near future if if you missed out potentially. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. There might be another entry point at one of the cardinal turnings, either Capricorn or or Aries. I, I'm still undecided about that, but um, but I do think that going on that journey again with more folks would be really valuable. Okay. Steven says, Pluto and Virgo in the 10th generation X are here. And trining, transiting Pluto and Capricorn in the second house, I made big changes and transformations. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to hear, Tom, you should, have, you should tell me more, Steven, about the Pluto trine, because I'm about to 
start moving into that phase of my life with the Pluto trine. I'm kind of looking forward to that. That might, might be, uh, might be good. Might be good. Julian says, uh, I was commenting on the one particular person you referred to as Pluto in Leo. I'm a Pluto in Virgo. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry, Julian. I'm like I said, I'm, I, I don't have everyone's, uh, Pluto generation <laughs> memorized yet. And, uh, you know, we're all as young as we we feel, right? I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. Um, Pluto and Virgo is interesting too, because there's there is a little bit of um, you know dealing with health and health issues and uh, dietary things and how we take care of ourselves. Those are all Pluto and Virgo challenges. And um, you know, I my my mom was Pluto and Virgo, or my dad is really late Pluto Leo, and uh, my dad my my mom dealt with a lot of health stuff uh and really had the uh sort of had the challenges of of ill health and um yeah it's tough it's tough so take good care of yourselves pluto in virgos and try to do as many things as you can and, and make as many choices as you can to give yourself the best chance to be healthy uh i will n never say that 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 uh it's 100% possible to avert any type of disease or disaster. Sometimes those things just happen and it's nobody's fault and we're just having to deal with those things. But I do think there are some things we can do to like uh, either turn on or off things. We can, we can give ourselves the best chance. And then we have to just pray that, that the, the stars will be in our favor. And then if something happens, try to deal with it gracefully, right? Oh, let's see. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, I'm just reading through all of your awesome comments here. Melissa says, it's a fabulous gift. Unfortunately, I don't know enough right now. Um, well, just keep going, Melissa. I think you're referring to astrology and learning astrology, but just it's one, one day at a time, you know? We just have to keep doing the best we can with the information that we have and the light that we have at the moment. Um, I don't know everything. I'm still learning. And I think it's a mistake to think that you can't uh, have deep and profound insights at the beginning of your astrological or, or oracular journeys. What you do have is your own experiences. And if you s use the symbols that you're really familiar with, they will speak to you. And I think that that's really important to understand. Yes, we can gain more nuance and the ability to communicate our insights in a more multifaceted way the more we study. But I do, I do think that sometimes we tend to, uh, I don't know, talk, talk down to ourselves because we aren't as experienced as someone else. That being said, we shouldn't wield techniques that we're not completely comfortable with until we're ready. Like, I think that that's important too, but you got to test things out. You got to test things out. So stick with it. Steven says, Saturn will be my time Lord next year. Work, work, work. I'm building stronger foundations. Yes. Saturn is a tough teacher, but it can bring wonderful rewards as well, Steven. Hey, Robin. Robin is here. Stopping in. Welcome, my friend. Uh, Steven says, Mars is my time lord this year. Well, Steven, hopefully you'll be spared 
the Mars retrograde and cancer. <laughs> Unfortunately, I won't having that time, Lord, but uh, we'll see. Dawn says, I got to head out, sending you all love and wishes for a great week and month. Take care, Dawn. Um, all right. Devin says, that's all for the 84 to roughly 94 babies. Okay. Um, those are Pluto and Scorpios. Or what? I'm trying to, I'm thin a little behind the, the game here. Michelle says, Pluto and Virgo always have to eat clean and feel my best, but I think my Mars and Leo gives me a lot of vibrancy. Yeah, I, again, like th this, sometimes we all have different journeys. Um, you know, my mom didn't really eat that healthy, to be honest with you. She, she had a lot of challenges with her diet and, uh, I don't know if it contributed to her her health challenges. It's possible. Um, my mom had a, well, she got breast cancer, number one. And she she had a mastectomy. And a week after her mastectomy, she had a blood clot that went in, into her brain. And she had a, an aneurysm and an extreme stroke. So that part of it, I mean, that's that's just that could just be chance. I mean, I don't know what she could have done about that. Um, but there are th parts of my, my thought about how it could have been different and what could have caused the cancer. We, and you can go back and forth with this kind of thing. I mean, it could be a, a number of things. It could be genetics, could be diet. It could be a lot of the, the environmental factors, cleaning products, chemicals, could be stuff in the water. You just never know. And what the way I feel about a lot of those things right now is that we're all kind of fighting upstream and swimming upstream when it comes to that. There's so many environmental factors that are really unhealthy for us as a community um, that it's really a much larger issue than just our own personal choices. And it's never okay to demonize people who are suffering and be like, oh, if you'd only made this choice, you wouldn't have gone through this suffering. That's just, why? Why, why put that on someone who's going through a difficult time. Um, the flip side of that is I do think that there are certain personal choices we can make to give ourselves a chance. Um, eating as clean as we can, trying to move and exercise and stay hydrated and lowering our stress. And those are all good things. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and I think that we, sometimes we have to accept that. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's complicated. Life's complicated. There are. I wish there was a, a one-size-fits-all answer to it, but there really isn't. Astrology will teach you that, too. Um, Devin says, oh, yeah. It's giving more advice to Isla Sky. Um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Isla was wondering if they were going to get some relief from their Scorpio year, <laughs> but if you just had a birthday, you just started it. So yeah. Uh, Carol says you are rocking today, Spencer. Oh, thanks, Carol. I'm trying. I'm, uh, I'm just in the flow state, just responding to all of your energy and good questions. And, uh, I'm feeling Mercury and Capricorn feels good. I like it. Um, I've been just things I've been doing to give myself a chance energetically as I've been tapping all over various points of my body to increase my circulation. I've been trying to eat fairly clean. 
um, and get walks. Those are the things that I can do. Yeah, that's what I feel like is in my control. And then I just have to leave it to the universe to hopefully uh, protect my health moving forward. I do say some prayers to Asclepius. I try to do that too and give some offerings to, to Asclepius, which who is the kind of the, the doctor in Greek mythology. And there's an Orphicam you can say to Asclepius. I got this wonderful Asclepius oil from our good friends at Sphere and Sundry too. And I, I use that fairly regularly. Um, I, I try to take my health pretty seriously, especially having witnessed people have gone through suffering. But I totally understand too that there's only so much that I can do and I'll just have to take take it as it comes. Uh, Julian says, same here, eating clean and the value of exercise. Mars conjunct Pluto exercise is a big deal for me. Totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there are things that you can do to improve your health that you can do and have personal responsibility with. But um, what I would caution against is to... Um, look down on other people who can't or who have had health challenges and be like, if only you ate better and exercise more, you wouldn't have had this happen to you. And maybe that's true in some cases, but it's not true in every case. So that's where the, that's where when you're wielding that sword, uh, it's important to like own it for your own sake, but to not apply it to every single person and situation. Because when we do that, that's when we can make some mistakes and that what when life can really humble us so just it, it, apply that energy that virgo energy to your own self-improvement but don't necessarily apply that to every other situation or person or pre people's life because that's when it can get that's when it becomes corrupt right that's when the pluto part of it becomes corrupt when we have to feel like we have to improve and self-improve at all costs right when we have to keep constantly improving say i'm I'm not good enough. Maybe that's the Pluto and Virgo energy is understanding when enough is enough, when you can just accept who you are and what you are in that moment. That's the alternate energy of Pisces is accepting yourself and saying, oh, this is this is enough. I'm enough today. So that might be your cross to bear Pluto and Virgos is understanding when when you are enough without having to constantly improve, you know, something to think about. Um, okay. Steven has gone to a great store and bought some great essential oils. Good. Uh, Devin says the range of Pluto and Scorpio, 84 to 94, only has a 10-year transit through that sign, so it's a small generation. That's Yeah, that's interesting. Because of Pluto's orbit, it is in various signs for different lengths of time. So yeah, really, really fascinating to see uh, the length of a of a generation or a transit. If you want to apply generations to Pluto um, signs, Michelle is talking to Julian saying, "I feel you, and I'm a heavy exerciser as well. I need to feel my best. I don't do it for any other reason than to feel good. I feel like shit if I don't <laughs> do these things." Yeah, and Michelle says, "Agreed, Spencer. It's not one size fits all. Been humbled on that old philosophy. Uh, you know, me too. I." I I have a Virgo stellium, Pluto in Virgos, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn. And younger Spencer was really obsessed with telling everyone and everybody how to be healthy um, through diet, through exercise, through whatever. And I was, 
<laughs> I was a real asshole about it. Um, I was not a fun dinner guest, if that makes sense. And I've had to really tone all that down. Uh, I have been proven wrong quite a bit. Um, you know, my I, my I badgered the hell out of my mother and father about being healthy. And what I've learned is that people have to make their own choices and live their own experience. And at the end of the day, if I had any regrets about when my mom was going through her illness, it's that I would have just, mm, just talked to her more as a human being when she was going through her sickness rather than trying to heal her, if that makes sense. Um, I would get really frustrated and upset with the type of care that she was receiving at the end of her life. And it was very uh, humbling to, an important realization to realize that no matter what I did, there was nothing that I was going to be able to do about that circumstance. And this is something that's really hard for Virgo types to understand, is it doesn't matter how good you are, how clean you are, how much you've studied. Sometimes there's things that are not in your control. And this is what Neptune in Pisces is going to teach us, and Saturn in Pisces teaches us too. So sometimes we just have to surrender, and that's a tough lesson. So keep doing all the things that make you feel good. There's no shame in that. I, I do them too. But own it and, and lead by example and don't ins insist that other people follow is how I've had to learn this with sort of a Leo Virgo type of thing. Isla Sky says, I'm a Cancer Sun, Moon, and Mercury, and Venus in a Scorpio year, six more months with natal Mars conjoined. Saturn in the fourth house with another Pluto square hitting September 24th. Thanks for diving for the heads up. Fun times. This has been so useful. Thank you, everyone. Newbie here. This has been so useful. Good. Well, I'm I'm happy that you are new here. Hopefully you are subscribed to the channel, Isla Sky, so you know when we're going live again. Make sure you hit that like button. Um, it's wonderful to have you here in our community. Um, yeah, Michelle says, word. I was so righteous about it. Oh, God, I was insufferable. Uh, <laughs> Julene says, Spencer, that's true, and I understand that for sure. My sister lost her battle with breast cancer, and she was a vegetarian and a triathlete and believed that genetics and environmental issues uh, were, of, I'm assuming, a factor or something like that. Um, yeah, and Melissa says, Spencer, you're a human being that we're worried about your mom. Yeah. Um, yeah, right? You can do, there's so many examples of someone who, people who, who quote unquote, did everything right. And, and then they still had uh, a challenging disease or, or condition. Um, you just can never really tell. Sometimes those things are faded. I, I, as an astrologer, sometimes you can just see that those those are part of the learning experiences, and and I am not going to uh, be arrogant enough to say that we came here to learn through that experience, um, because who knows why we came here. Um, but I do think that that there are different ways to learn uh, about life and to live. And there are different reactions we can have to life. I have experienced uh, what I would consider suffering as a 12th house sun in Mercury. And I choose to try to learn from it. I'm not always successful. Um, 
but I try to utilize that experience to alleviate, hopefully, others' suffering. I'm not always successful at that either. I've caused suffering in my life. So there, there are both things that happen. And you just try to be the best person that you can from one day to the next, in, in, in my estimation. And that means different things on different days. Tracy says, Asclepius, where did you get the oil? <laughs> Pluto and Virgo, two degrees, trying my son. Now I really need to put into practice what I know instead of talking about it. Tracy, you can check out um, Caitlin Coppock's Sphere and Sundry website to find her Asclepius oils. She has a, a, a yang version and a yin version. I bought both because I, I really like that stuff. Um, what I have observed from the way that what celestial energy she was capturing was the the moon, I believe, on the fixed star Ras El Heg, which is associated with Asclepius the Healer. Uh, that's at 22 degrees of Virgo. So I believe that the chart that they used was capturing the energy of the fixed star Ras El Heg, and um, it's good stuff. I'm I use the Yang version almost daily. Uh, the Yin version can be good for sleeping. I really enjoy their their work and am inspired by it. And I think that it's good to support those folks. And, and um, there's just so many good magical practitioners out there. And um, there's, I think it's, it's good to be able to, you know, support as many of those folks as we can, because I think that they're, they're doing good stuff and they're not always appreciated for the work that they're doing. Um, but yeah, the, the the ritual that I do with Asclepius, if you're curious, is I do the Orphic hymn to both Asclepius and Hygieia in the morning. I wear a little bit of the oil, and I offer uh, cypress and uh, sage. Cypress and sage for Asclepius, yeah, because there, I believe there's a Jupiter element in that uh, in that election as well. I'm trying to think, I've been using different. Um, different herbal things lately. I have also heard Denabel Getty oil, and there's a number of different herbs that I use with that too, which is pretty cool stuff. Um, okay, let's see. Any other questions before we kind of wrap for the day? We've been here a couple hours. We've had a lot of, we've covered a lot of ground. We've been vulnerable. <laughs> we have gone over some bit longer term transits, some personal transits. We've shared some stories. We've had some cathartic sharing. Um, hopefully we didn't overshare too much, but this is kind of the, the vibe on the channel is through being vulnerable, hopefully it allows you to, to feel your feelings. Um, I think this is why a lot of the cap people like this channel because I, I tend to express myself in an emotional way and hopefully that gives you permission to feel your feelings as well. So, uh, that I think is what I have for you today. If you want to slip a, a last minute question in, you can, but do me a huge favor. Please like the channel uh, or like this video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you are in need of more personal assistance, please reach out for a reading. Um, you can find me at spencermichaud.com. I do natal readings. I do transit readings. I do tutoring. I do one question oracle things. Uh, it is so wonderful getting to connect with each of you individually. Uh, it's a little bit different experience than on the channel, even though we're, 
we we are very familiar on this channel um but it is a it's a it is a more intimate and in-depth experience and we can uh, there's a lot of things that you can do when you're not having to share all those things publicly too when you have this kind of oracular space that you're creating with a client so i'd encourage you to to take advantage of that if that is uh, something that would be helpful or useful for you also keep in mind that the decans of sagittarius is on sale right now. If you want to learn more about the fixed star Ross L. Haig, I talk about it in the Decans of Sagittarius webinar. So check that out. That's 20% off on my website. Devin is confirming Ross L. Haig is at Sagittarius 22 degrees. So I, I'm glad that I remembered that. Um, and yeah, this has been a, a, a wonderful day for you. I didn't pull an I Ching today for you, Devin, but I can pull one today. I just pull it right now if you want. Let's uh, see how we can get through the rest of our of our day. How about that? Um, what do we need to thrive today? How about that? I have a wonderful, I, I just do it on an app on my phone called I Ching, Y-I-J-I-N-G, and I have 10 different like uh, interpretations built into the app, which is really cool. So the hexagram I got for you, Devin, is number 64. It says, not yet across. This translates to uh, before completion, before the end, not yet across, before, uh, nearly home and dry, bringing order out of confusion, exercising caution and circumspection. There are three changing lines, and it's changing to the hexagram number 29, the abyss, darkness, danger, <laughs> maintaining faith and pushing through the rapids. First line, at the fourth place says, and this is a translation from Jack M. Balkin that I really enjoy. Uh, Perseverance brings good fortune, regrets vanish. Like thunder, he attacks the demon territory. In three years, great realms will be rewarded. So this line um, suggests that we take decisive action, uh, that we will have to have a long battle with something, but it's worth it and it will pay off in the end. Um, there could be a struggle that we're going through and that there's a lot of things at stake, but you need to marshal your courage and your energy to overcome doubts. Uh, so this is, this is really about perseverance in the first line that we're going through. Second line at the fifth place says, perseverance brings good fortune, no remorse. The brilliance of the superior person shines forth. He possesses truth in sincerity, good fortune. So this is um, a continuation. We read these lines from the bottom up. Okay, so we've got, uh, we're, we're working through the situation. So because of your patience and devotion and determination, you could have achieved some kind of great victory. So this could be a new dawn, a new era. I'm feeling like the energy of Mercury moving into Capricorn is reflecting this. So through our perseverance through today, maybe we're bringing some light out into the world potentially. And then finally, the line at the top says, he possesses truth and sincerity. He drinks wine and celebrates, no blame. But if he gets his head wet, the one who has truth and sincerity loses it. So this is when, so this is a warning that if you have success, not to let it go to your head, not to become arrogant with your success, uh, that if you've had a victory, just go about your business. We don't have to rub it in or anything like that. Um, try not to become careless with your, with your success and your victory. So, I guess the final advice today is if you've worked through a challenging issue with perseverance, just celebrate internally uh, and, you know, 
try not to get in over your head with it because you can undo a lot of the good that you've that you've done and achieved through i guess gloating about it so that would be good advice for the rest of the day is, is to we don't need to count our chickens before they hatch or or even directly after the victory because that could lead to hexagram number 29 which talks about we're entering and venturing into the unknown the abyss is a, a hexagram that really cautions us that the experience that we're moving into we don't have a lot of information about it so as we move into this weekend we might be moving into an experience that we really just don't have a lot of information about yet and we have to be careful and we have to be vigilant and sometimes when we move into darkness we need to maintain our faith because we don't know what could be on the other side so that's the essence of faith friends is being able to continually visualize what we want to to happen to surrender to the process and to do that even when the circumstances aren't visibly in front of us and that can that takes practice that's why we have spiritual practices because we have to practice that each day so friends that's what i have for you today uh hopefully that will be useful for you on your journey um and we will see you next week with an examination of the new moon in the third decan of Sagittarius. Uh, we're going to have a new moon fairly close to that fixed star, Rossel Hag, at about 20 degrees of Sagittarius. So maybe it's a good new moon for healing. And we'll break it down and we'll take it through your rising sign uh, next Friday, potentially. Uh, usually it's Fridays, unless there's something that comes up. But, uh, but yeah, wonderful connecting with all of you today. Thank you for sharing your stories, your vulnerabilities. Um, thank you for your wisdom. I always love hearing how other people see the transits in the sky as well. It's a, definitely a collaborative effort, these live streams. And thank you so much for your, your contributions today and the gifts to the channel. I really appreciate all the super chats and the super stickers. Really, uh, it really does help, and I appreciate you. So again, let's let's practice our kindness and being kind to one another, and um, we'll see you the next time. All right, friends, take care. Peace.